everybody, welcome to the first episode of our sports podcast, The Immaculate Perceptions, because we have immaculate perceptions about sports. So I am your host, BitBoy. I'm joined by my other two co-hosts, Armando B. and Andy, a.k.a. producer, by the way. How are you guys doing on the day of our first podcast? I'm ready, man. I'm ready to talk sports. I want to appreciate both of you actually going to give you guys credit for kind of coming up with the podcast and bringing me on. So I'm here to bring banter. Maybe you'll like it and maybe you won't, but I'm here. So uh, thanks for having me. Hey, Andy, man, I'm excited to uh, to do this with you, buddy. I've heard a lot of good things about you from BitBoy over here. And, uh, you know, between you and me, uh, Andy or uh, Ben here, BitBoy, has the wrong perspective on just about every single topic we're going to cover. And I can't wait to show you why I'm right. All right. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. Uh, unpopular take number one just given right there. So that was the first unpopular take in the show's history. So great job, Armando. Fake news. Hashtag fake news. On being wrong. So, all right, well, guys, I guess before we get into, just so everybody kind of understands the way this is going to be, we're going to have some different segments on the show. We're going to, uh, you know, talk about some uh, sports social media stuff. And then, you know, this is primarily a debate show. So we're going to have topics and, uh, you know, debate different things that are going on right now in the world of sports. But to kick it off, let's let's talk about what's what's been going on this week in sports. Yeah, I'll go first if that's all right, sure. uh, Mr. Andy. Um, yeah. No, been uh, been really excited about what's going on, man. As a hardcore Giants fan, you see, I'm in East Rutherford, New Jersey, representing. Oh. Uh, my dog's name is Eli, so I'm Big Blue all the way. And uh, looking about, looking up to uh, seeing what's possible. We have the preseason coming up soon. We have the draft coming up. We have uh, the AAF, which I know we're going to get into in just a little bit. And, uh, you know, it, it's a beautiful day here in the Crab Cake capital of the world. And I'm excited to see what it is that we have in store today. So, Andy, what do you got, buddy? Uh, I'm excited because you're talking about football and how this day and age we extend the season after the season's mm -hmm. over. Yep. But also we're extending it with a whole different football league that I have a lot to share with you guys uh, today about the AAF, which is the Alliance of America Football League, which I must say, at times forget what it is and call it the AAF, but just wanted everyone to know. So mostly a lot of football, obviously you see that's a Kelly Green, Kyle Brady Jets jersey, my friends. Um, you don't know who Kyle Brady is, but we had a Brady <laughs> on the Jets. So I, Armando, am a Jets fan, of course. So we <laughs> have some things in common that we're going to go down rabbit holes so I'm excited about the draft coming up and some potential things with the Jets and Giants possibly going on. So a lot to do, Ben. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, we, de we definitely do. And so the first segment of the show we're going to kick off is actually Andy's AAF rant where he rants perfect. about AAF. AF. Perfect. So perfect. Give, it, give, us, give us your AAF rant. Break it down. Tell us what's going on. By the way, I am a fan of the AAF. I have been watching it. So Cool. And Armando, you have you watched a full game yet, or you just have watched highlights? I've watched highlights. My first full game will be at 4 o'clock today Sweet. on CBS, so I'm excited. So I got a quick quiz question for you, right? Okay. I'm going to give you a name of a team, and you tell me what city they're in. Okay. I want you to shut down your computer. You know, don't, don't I'm not look looking. I'm not looking. All right. What city do the fleet play in? The fleet? The fleet. What city had one of the greatest the naval Diego? battles of all time? San Diego. That's correct. San Diego. Yes! Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Where do the commanders play? Are they Salt Lake City? 
They are not. They are San Antonio. Salt Lake City is actually the Stallions. One more. Stallions. One more. Okay. All right. Before we get into everything. Where do the Express play? <laughs> uh, express, Express. Not, not Nashville. Not um, Nashville. Not Nashville. Oh, it's something in the Midwest, too. You're way Shh. off. You're way, you're way off. It is not the Midwest. Am I? You are much. It is the Midwest. Memphis is the Midwest. Memphis is Memphis is south. It's Tennessee. Did you say Memphis or Nashville? He said. I said I knew it wasn't Nashville. That's what I said. I just gave it up. It's you did. You did. Yeah, Memphis is definitely not Midwest. But it's close. The net. You were close with Nashville. So as you can see, not a lot of people know this league. And you know, when you go to the NFL and I tell you name a bunch of teams where they play, people can even name Super Bowls. You know, off the top of their heads. Boom, boom, boom. So we are being introduced to something in its infancy, and I think it's pretty incredible, and I'm going to tell you why. Developmental football, re, a reemergence for players that might be in the league a long time in their late 30s that still think they got juice in the tank, that a team dumped them, practice squad players, and also undrafted rookies that maybe didn't make it in the, uh, in the early uh, training camp days, and they got cut, and they went like, oh, I can't get on a team. Here comes the AAF. Come over to us. We'll let you get your stuff together. Maybe you can, maybe you'll, you'll be able to go back. So guys, what do you, off the top, I just want to, let's talk about that. What do you think about this developmental side of what the AF, the spring football league is bringing to the table? So I'll, I'll start with Armando, but Ben, I want to hear your opinion too. So I think it's interesting, you know, I keep hearing you say the word developmental. And when I hear that, I think of uh, the Gatorade league, the G league and the NBA, right? Those players, for the most part, are not good enough to play in the NBA. Let's be honest, right? However, uh, the players in the AAF are, in fact, players that either have played in the NFL or could eventually play in the NFL. And so I feel like the develop the, the word developmental feels a little almost like a misnomer uh, okay. to where it's like the, the redheaded stepchild, so to speak, of football players, American football mm-hmm. players. Uh, but also made me think when you were talking about who could uh, potentially come up, I'm thinking of uh, maybe a highly touted potential first-round projected college football player who maybe got injured right before the combine. And or a drug-associated thing. and, or, and yeah, character yeah. issue, legal Characters. issue, right? But they have all the physical tools necessary to compete at a high level. The NFL wants something to do with them. Hey, prove yourself first. Let's see what you got. Go to the AAF, light it up, and then we can take you. So to have all those different types of groups of people, uh, of players, I think is really fascinating. And uh, it helps us, keeps us uh, glued to the boob tube uh, to watch the pigskin all year round. Ben? Yeah. Glued to the boob tube to watch the Ben, you said you liked the AAF, and you have watched watched a game. So what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I've watched multiple games. I've watched most of the games. Didn't get to watch yesterday. um, But I'm at least up to date with, you know, who the best teams are and who the best players are and things like that. Um, but uh, you know, it's funny that you said developmental league, because what I've heard referred to as is actually the exact opposite, which is uh, something similar to last chance. You, if you guys have watched that show on net on Netflix, uh, where it's basically, uh, you know, college players that for whatever reason, you know, got in trouble, got injured and they go to this one junior college. I can't remember the name of the college. Maybe you guys remember it, but they, they go to that college and it's kind of, you know, the last chance for a lot of these players, either they get their stuff together and they make it and they move on to the, you know, to a four-year university for their senior year and then get drafted or else they're done, you know? So that's definitely to me what this is. Um, I, I think it's basically where you got a player like Trent Richardson who out of shape, Absolutely. overweight, could not crack it in the NFL. He, uh, you know, went to, uh, 
He was at the Browns, and then he got traded to the Colts. He did terrible for the Colts. Everybody thought that was going to be a great trade uh, for them. Turned out to be much better for the Browns. Then he ends up getting cut. I can't remember. I think he went to the Raiders, didn't even make the team, um, and got cut before the season. And now he's playing in the AF, and he looks great. You know, he looks refreshed. He looks in shape. And this is probably his last chance. So, you know, I think it's definitely going to be, you know, very interesting to watch players like that. And it gives us interest because we know those players. The, the G League comparison, it, it seems to make sense, but it's not the same thing. And I think the reason for that is because NBA rosters are so limited. They got 11 players. And then you add 11 players with a G League developmental team, you got 22 players. I mean, with the NFL counting practice squad, you know, they have over 60 players per team. So I think it gives, it gives a lot more chances and opportunities for players. Cool. So now that I kind of got your perspectives and what you guys think, let's just talk a little bit more detail. So I'm going to tell you the names of the teams. So you have the Arizona Hotshots, the Atlanta Legends, the Birmingham Iron, the Memphis Express, the Orlando Apollos, the Salt Lake City Stallions, the Commanders in San Antonio, and then of course, the San Antonio Fleet. Uh, I did read those. I promise I could think of them off the top of my head. It's just faster. Now, to your point on Trent Richardson, Richardson, is his stats right now are 42 attempts, 99 yards, 2.4 average, but three TDs. And he's, you know, he, he, yikes on the yardage maybe, but he's, I watched them play. He's like kind of like a third down back now. He's playing every down, but he's getting in the the end zone and they're they're undefeated right now. We'll see today because they're going to play. Go ahead, Armando. <laughs> you know, when you read off the stat line, the first name I thought of, yes, Frank Gore. He's the Frank Gore of the AAF. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. Well, Frank Gore's going to ride that all the way possibly to the Hall of Fame. But I think Frank Gore deserves the Hall of Fame if you're going to mention him, yeah. But I, I think that stat line is very misleading, and I'm, I'm going <laughs> to tell you why. The, the yep. quality of all of the other players on the team is very low. You know, I mean, it, it, I, I've said this. I feel like... The athleticism in the AF is better than college football. I mean, I think, you know, it makes sense, even though it seems like it's like the B League of the NFL. And, you know, there's still players that were close to being on NFL rosters. So it's better than college football. However, you can tell the timing and the preparation that's been put into this is not all there yet. There's like no cohesiveness to the teams. Because if you watch college players, they're not nearly as good as the NFL player or the, uh, the AF players. However, almost all the handoffs are clean. You know, the, the players are not dropping passes for the most part. I mean, some in college do. But with the AF, it seems like it's still, try, you know, trying to come together. And we're seeing a lot of sloppy play that I think over time will be weeded out. Um, but all that being said, the offensive linemen are not as good as he had in the NFL. So it, no. you're, he's relying more on his pure skill there's been so many times he's been wrapped up in the backfield because as soon as he gets the balls, the players are on him, or the players are on him. And to me, the strong suit so far, the weakest position and the strongest position that I've seen in AF, the weakest position of all these teams is the offensive line, and the strongest uh, position, in my opinion, has been the defensive lines. So you know, and also DB play. There's been some DB play that's been really good. Yeah. There's been some really great. Inter- well, this guy Reezer, um has like four interceptions already. Uh, I think you're right, though. The de- the defense could thrive on this. Yeah. These players can go to practice squads in the NFL really easy, I think. I'm what, the D-line, though, you're right. Absolutely, 100%. Number one skill position in the AAF right now. 
But now, that just kind of speaks to, if I can just jump in for just a quick second, yeah. you know, you think about defensive line versus offensive line, it's going to take a lot more coordination on the offensive line, pulling guards and stopping the gaps and, and making, creating holes. The defensive line, you pin your ears back and you just go, right? Yeah. So perhaps not as technical from a technique perspective. And it would make sense if you haven't had time to practice and bone up and get ready to go, that the defensive line would have a distinct advantage. Hopefully that catches up and becomes more evenly matched, but, to your point, defensive ends are, or defensive lines are crushing it right now. And just to mention one that I know, his name is Carter Carter Schultz. Yep. And this guy on the Stallions in yep. Utah should definitely be signed by an NFL team. This guy has been a monster. He was I destroying saw him. that quarterback. Dude, he must be having so much fun. The players that actually you can tell are like definitely standing above everyone. He's having like a day, man. I I every game I watched him play. Excellent. He should be looked at already by NFL teams. Early um, MVP candidate? I don't know. That's going to be tough because the guy, the quarterback on the Apollos is chucking the rock, and they're now 3-0. Um, and, and that and, guy, and uh, the Arizona quarterback got hurt yesterday. He wow. got hurt yesterday, yeah. yeah. Uh, X-Jet, by the way. Yeah. Um, Third-string quarterback. <laughs> isn't isn't uh, every player in the AAF an X-Jet? Dude, it is. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> We're going to end my segment with my actual rant. I have something yeah. to talk about. But – Garrett Gilbert is the quarterback with the Apollos. Dude, he's playing lights out as the MVP right now. And a defensive MVP, Schultz for sure. Now, just quickly before I get into my rant, one thing we have to talk about together, and that's rule changes, okay? We can't get out of initially introducing the AAF without talking about that. Now, obviously, no kickoffs, mm-hmm. no extra points. Quick thought on that. Love um, it. Let's speed the it. game up. Let's get okay. to the action. hate it. You hate it? Hate Why do you hate it? Of course you do. Because I'm a football purist, and I feel like the kicking is a part of the game, and the, 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 I almost feel like the NFL's in cahoots with them on this to try to help them get rid of kickoffs and show people what it's like. I hate the idea of having to go for it on two-point conversion. It changes the whole complexity of the game, whereas when you have an extra point that's kind of a given, you can kind of predict the way that the scores are going to go, and that helps you as a coach to kind of predict what you want to do. And you know, and when, you, when you're having to go for two... If you miss two of those and the other team makes two of those, okay, now that's like an eight-point swing right there. You know, that's an eight-point swing. And so you're looking at having a score of, you know, 12 to, you know, 12 to 16. Well, maybe it's a four-point swing. Whatever it is, um, you know, it's a big swing right there. And it's like if you just make the two-point conversions, you can be a whole score ahead, you know, based on a couple touchdowns. I got to push back, I I got to push back. Because at the end of the day – the NF, the NFL pushed back the uh, point right. after, and I like right? that. I did like that. So they're no longer gimmies, right? No. And so we're seeing they're, they're missing them they're left missing. and right, right? Yeah. <laughs> and these these kickers in the AF would be missing them for sure. But you know what? Football is a game of inches. It's not a game to just put the ball down and just kick it off. Yes, that's the way it's been Do done before. Kicking? But you know what? Do you hate kicking? You know, you're, I play fantasy football, and kickers guy. are oh the bane gosh. of my existence. And they call Wow. Gosh, I, I knew I'm the exact opposite. Of be better. Everything. Be better on offense. Be better on defense so that when your team goes for two, you can actually put up and not shut up and get mauled by constant two-point conversions. It's a, it's a, it's a 50% rate all the way around. You're going to make it half the time. You're going to miss it half the time. So Good. I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, when you string together those streaks of missing it or making it that's going to help. I'm just, I, I like the extra point. I love that they moved the, the extra point back. I was down with them removing the extra point completely because it was just a wasted play until they did move it back and make it a little harder in the NFL. But I, I now seeing it this way, like I'm a big fan of the AF. I like it. 
I, I think it works for this league uh, just for the simple fact that it's not the NFL, you know, and the kickers are worse, and they would probably be missing the extra points. What about kickoffs? But what about kickoffs? I love kickoffs. I love kickoffs. There, there's players in the game that made their name on kickoffs. You know, Devin Hester, Desmond Howard, like a lot of these guys, they made their name on kickoffs, you know, and I like but watching. The there, there, there's no back. more exciting play in football than a kickoff return for a touchdown. I play I mean, a lot of Madden. Exciting. I disagree with you. That I completely is, disagree with well, you. I, I play a lot of Madden, and there is the nothing most? that makes you feel no. better than returning a kickoff for a touchdown. No. How about a 99-yard bomb or run up the gut where you just shred the defense? I do that all the time. I bet you do. Andy, go ahead. I'm sorry. I cut you off. Uh, no, I was I just going to say that there, that's just one rule change that's different from the NFL. <laughs> okay. We got a few more. So let's go through them quickly. Now, uh, obviously, no kickoff, but they put the ball on the 25-yard line. Makes sense. Start there. Makes sense. Uh, do you guys all agree on that one? Yeah. If you're yeah. going to get okay. rid of the kickoff, yeah. The play clock is 35 seconds, five seconds less than the NFL. So we're shortening time. I love agree it. with that one. Yeah, love it. Defense can only rush five players. What do you think of that? See, no, I disagree. You know what? The defense that, should be able to call whatever defense they want. The offense should be able to scheme for it. Okay. So I think it's interesting, and I don't know, is that a safety thing? Is that why they're doing that? So you can't just, like, throw the whole gauntlet? No, like, I think I, I think it comes down to what we've already talked about. Uh, and I think probably the league anticipated that the defense would take much less preparation and much less – cohesiveness to be effective and the offense it takes so much more time to be able to get down like we're seeing it with handoffs like yeah. these handoffs are not clean especially with draw plays i've seen some of the draw plays and uh, the quarterback's almost like do you want it should i take it do you want it like they're sitting back there having a conversation <laughs> you know when they're handing it off so um i i think they anticipated that and, and they probably want to give the quarterbacks a little bit more time to shine because, you know, like I said, it's last chance you for a lot of these guys, but, you know, they have to have an opportunity to be able to to show, you know, what they are. Offense, the players are already dropping balls. We're already seeing, like we've talked about, the offense is not as good as the defense. So I guess I'm okay with it because if, okay. if that wasn't the case and we were seeing more blitzing, who knows how much worse it would be. So Yeah, and it can't be about safety. Not when you have... Uh, the Garoppolo knockoff in the AAF getting his helmet taken clean off and almost his head as well and no flag call. Yeah, it's not about safety. We want big hits. We want action. I want it. No yeah. Penalties. So okay. it can't be about safety. As long as it's not me out there getting hit, I I, I want to see it. Exactly. Okay. Well, okay. So one that's really interesting is there's no onside kicking, obviously. Uh, so the opportunity for the team is done in this way. So they put the ball on the 28, own 28. And you have one down to get at least 12 yards. The only time this can be attempted is if the team is trailing by 17 points or more or is behind within the final five minutes of the game. I love what it. You, that's kind of cool. It. No? That's it feels like a Madden no. comeback mechanism. The, the like, way like when you play in Madden and you're really and you're down by a lot, somehow the game finds a way to get you back closer. I dig it. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, I would prefer to see your standard. <laughs> Shocking. I know, right? I would prefer to see your standard onside kick. However, what would have been really cool is if they had gone back to the previous NFL onside kick rules to where you can load up one side because that really did make it where, you know, it may have been a 10 to 20% recovery rate. We're now with well below 10%. Uh, it's almost pointless to do onside kicks in the NFL at this point. So I, I would have liked to have seen them bring bring that back instead of, you know, doing this. It, it's unique. 
it, it is kind of a fun way to do it. It's going to be entertaining to watch. But, I mean, I, once again, we just get back to I don't like changing the kicking rules, you know, that much. Okay. I, I want to see the kicking rules be similar, you know. And you're, plus you're not giving – you know, you're not giving some of these kickers the same opportunity that they would have in the NFL, so you're not allowing your kickers to really be able to be scouted the best way. Well, I'm a little biased <laughs> because in high school, I kicked, and I did kickoffs oh, um, no for a while. Yeah. Um, so Armando, did, Armando's got some egg on his face right now. No, 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 no. Talk about um, how terrible agree, kickers are. I kind of, like, agree both ways. I love – the kicker's always going to be around for field goals. I don't yeah. think field goals will ever leave the NFL. It's I so important. Not. Nor should they. Never, never, never. That should not be in the conversation. Um, our kickers, funny characters for the, they don't look like they, they uh, like, they don't look like they should be there. Right. Yeah. That's how a kicker is treated. They don't, they're like, I don't know. They don't look it, like football players. It's, it's funny because I actually know a, uh, 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 he was a college kicker. He was a very, very, very prolific college kicker, set all kinds of records. I'm not going to say who it is, but I know him decently well. And uh, I can tell you, he fits that description perfect. The guy is absolutely nuts. Um, he, he's done some stuff in his life, and you just look, and you're like, man, that guy is insane. And then you find out who he was, and he was a very prolific record-setting kicker that a lot of people have heard of. And you're like, oh, it makes sense. He's a kicker. Like, he does crazy stuff. So I, I feel like that stereotype is very – I do not believe he played in the NFL, but he did have um, a, a top – uh, power five conference all-time kicking. He's got some all-time kicking records oh, wow. for uh, what I would consider to be the best power five conference. So that may give it away, but cool. So <laughs> I want to wrap this up with one more thing we have to talk mm -hmm. about. There's a couple of other rule changes. One that is the best one in my opinion. And it's not, I wouldn't say it's like a rule change. It's a viewership change, meaning we can hear what they call the sky judge where you watch the, the there's an instant replay for instance, Guess what happens? The audience gets to hear what they're talking about. Total transparency. This is a win for the refs. This is a win for the audience. Because if the refs mess up, you could kind of hear why they like couldn't make that decision now. And I've been like, wow, I can't wait for another replay to hear. There was one where the guy kind of messed up. And it was really interesting to watch that process. The NFL is missing out on this additive and i think you guys might agree what do you guys think about ben, being able first. to hear? i i definitely agree um i think i think we'll all agree on this because it's that interesting and but this is what i'll say about it like it's really interesting to watch and it's really fun to get that viewpoint but for me it was very anticlimactic like i guess i just always imagine like these guys are in this room in new jersey and, i know like, it's it's like a deliberation room and they're like all right final vote and it's like a jury is like i vote fumble i vote you know uh Go with the play on the field, call stands, whatever. But the guy was like the one that I watched, which it might have been the same one you were talking about with the fumble with the uh, with the Birmingham iron. Yeah, and, and, and the ball got ripped out of his hand. The guy, yeah. the guy, the sky judge was literally like this. He was literally like, "Well, I mean, we're pretty sure, we're almost positive that that's definitely not a fumble that his knee was down, but." Yeah, we just can't tell. So I guess we got to go with the call on the field. I was like, what? That's the conversation? That's how they're talking well, about it? That's how we talk I, about it on the couch, you know? But that is the most interesting part about it is that you're going to see a different sky judge every game. Or yeah. you might see the same ones again because they do the home games. But I think those people will become characters, right? Do you think there's an interest in that? Like sky judges are like, oh, it's this sky judge. He always screws up. God damn it. There's some... <laughs> you know so that speaks to transparency, right? Like yeah. you were saying before, 
and Ben, to your point, when we're on the couch, we're pontificating because we're always playing Monday morning quarterback. We think we're better than the judges on the field and the refs on the field. If I can hear their thought process, I might not agree with it, but at least I can see their train of thought and at least realize, okay, they're, they're smarter than a box of rocks and I can at least get behind the decision. I might not agree with it, but fine. Yeah, there, I mean, there's there's definitely times when you're watching a game when there's a call that comes back that you're just like, you're floored. Like, for instance, when uh, I, the first game, first NFL game of the season, um, as you guys can see, I got America's team behind me. Uh, we oh, were, nice. We, we were playing I see the, you made it America's team. No, I didn't. I actually pulled this straight <laughs> off the internet. If I made it, the, the edges of the Falcon behind me would look much more graphically clean. But anyways, I, I digress. Um, the first game of the season when the Falcons played against the Eagles on a Thursday night, the NFL kickoff game, there was a throw to Julio. Julio dove. A lot of you guys probably play fantasy football, so this was a big play for you yeah. guys. Uh-huh. It, was, it, it was a 50-yard yeah, it was a fifty yard pass. He caught it. It, it you know, bobbled around his hands. He dove. He landed. He pulled it in. He rolled over and then went out of bounds. And the referee Shit. called it incomplete. And I was like, okay, first of all, I couldn't even understand how they called it incomplete. Even when I watch a replay, then they go to challenge it. I'm like, this is a slam dunk. There's absolutely no way a referee would say that wasn't a catch. And it came back not a catch. Like, I want to hear the explanation, you know. Um, right. Especially since the NFL changed the rules to make catches simpler this year. So, I, I, I don't know. Like, it, it, it's definitely very interesting to hear their perspective on why they did it. Because all we get when we watch NFL games is we get the insight from the analysts and whatever referee analyst they bring in, you know, Mike Pereira or whoever it might be, to kind of give us their opinion on why they may have possibly, but not the actual reason. Julio was my first pick in our company league's fantasy draft, and that play you're talking about cost me the win. In Damn. Win. Well, I did terrible this year in fantasy, so, you know. Guys, I, didn't I, have I, I, I missed the playoffs by a tiebreaker. Ugh, that stinks. Yeah. Um, but – I'm going to, so this is called Andy's AAF rant and I haven't ranted yet. So (laughs) I'm going to finish off with a small little rant and it has to do with Christian Hackenberg, former drafted second round draft pick by the New York Jets, Jets, former starting quarterback for the Penn State Nittany Lions. Jets drafted him in the second round. Guys, second round draft picks are very important, right? Very big. Yeah. There's still leftover one rounders. There's been some great second round quarterbacks drafted in the NFL. Absolutely successful place to find quarterbacks, right? We all agree. Yes, absolutely. Agreed. Jets draft him. I watched this guy never get a snap, a pro snap ever. Um, he's, I mean, he plays preseason, but I don't really care. And we always thought he was going to be, like something, but the Jets could never show us that because they never believed in him enough to prove that. And usually when that happens, you know, there's something they're seeing in practice that just doesn't formulate, right? So here's the AF. Christian Hackenberg is the starting quarterback for the Memphis Express, who have eight former Jets, including two coaches. <laughs> I might be exaggerating, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Um, and including, of course, Christian Hackenberg. Now, Christian... Here's your chance, buddy. Here's your chance to take the bull by the horn and, and, and show everybody that you're the Christian Hagenberg we saw in college and the Christian Hagenberg that deserves a second-round pick. But what happened yesterday? You got benched in the AAF. God, that's bad. Your career is probably over just because of the AAF. Now, here's an example of the AAF destroying a career and proving 
he's not good enough to be a starting quarterback. I watched him play. He couldn't throw a ball more than like 17 yards. He finally got like a nice touchdown pass, but dude, there's all over the internet. How do they describe his interception? This guy caught his floating pass. I've never seen them describe an interception as a floating pass. <laughs> that describes everything. Now, Christian Hackenberg, I have no problem with you, man. You were a jet for a while. Come you know, I guess yeah, <laughs> you should come on the come show on the and show. talk about. I would love to have Christian Hackenberg. So, man, listen, you might have a really good. I hope you had like a, a backup major in, in college because I don't know if football's for you. But the season is young. Season is young. That's my rant. Will Christian Hackenberg survive the AAF from yesterday? I don't think it's likely, but I'm praying for you, Christian Hackenberg. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That's the AAF rant. <laughs> well, he, it wasn't good when it's the first two uh, plays last week were both fumbles by him. So, Dude, terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. Well, and, and we'll, we're going to move on from the AAF, but last thing uh, I just want to bring up is, you know, we'll also be talking about the XFL as well, um, yeah. you know, because XFL sure. will be coming out next year. Uh, they've already got some big, you know, big teams in line for that. Bob Stoops is going to be a coach, actually. Bob Stoops. Yeah, and there's going to be a Dallas football team. I'm sure I that so, – yeah. I think that's a great uh, place for a spring football team. I think they'll, they'll have a crowd. Uh, uh, on a good – on a high note for the league, the commanders had a 30,000 attendance show up for oh, their wow. home game. And that is – that shows you the potential yeah. of a small market for this league to be successful. And the, San Antonio never had a football team. They have the, the Spurs, but not a football team. Yeah. Now they do. So, well, it's, it's very interesting because I'm, I'm looking at the list of um, of the six cities and there's no overlap between the AAF. So uh, no, the XFL is D.C., L.A., New York, St. Louis, Tampa and Houston. So, um, you know, and I know that there's been talks maybe down the road of them, you know, you know, playing like we, they used to do with the, uh, you know, before the merger, you know, where they had the champ uh, before the NFL merger where there were two conferences and they were completely separate entities, and then the winners played each other in the NFL championship. So, um, you know, going to be very, very interesting to, to watch going forward. But let's let's move on. Let's talk about um, our Twitter shout-outs. I'm so used to saying crypto Twitter. Our sports Twitter <laughs> shout-outs. You guys that don't know, we all do, you know, we all do stuff in the cryptocurrency space. Um, but we're not going to talk about that today. Let's do our sports Twitter shout-out. Uh, I guess I'm going to go first. I'm going to go with, uh, so this is going to be a section where we basically talk about uh, or shout somebody else on sports Twitter that we like to follow that we think is uh, is good. I'm Question. Gonna, yes. Question. Question. Can we can we shout out like a team on Twitter? Sure, as, Twitter as, long, or... as long as you give the handle. As long as they did okay. something good, you give the handle, yeah. Just, not just not a lot of rules. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is uh, Barry McCockiner, a.k.a. Sports Talk Barry. He's got 115,000 followers. That's at Sports Talk Barry. Uh, he basically does parody tweets, and they're really funny. Like, after after the Miracle in Miami game, uh, I think it was, he tweeted that, uh, you know, Tom Brady just threw a chair at Bill Belichick and broke his hand. It's, it's a mess in here. And, like, people saw that tweet, and they thought that was a real thing. Like, I saw the tweet, and I was like, oh, my gosh, did that really happen? You know, I know they got beef or whatever. Now, Obviously, the Patriots won the Super Bowl later, and everything's hunky-dory now. But at the time, things were not looking good for them. So uh, he does a lot of those tweets about stuff that just happened, and they're totally fake, and they're parody, and they're really funny. Um, and as long as you know they're parody, uh, you know, it'll definitely give you a good laugh. So always probably a, a little grain of truth in the parody as well. 
That's awesome. I'll go next. And I think it's a guy that I showed you guys that I watched his name. It's that's good. Sports is a show on YouTube, but check out his YouTube channel. It's really the main place for it, but he's on Twitter. Brandon Perna shout out to you, buddy. Uh, you make watching highlights and kind of banter about sports really funny. It's adult. Uh, he obviously writes his stuff. It's really funny. And you are probably one of the reasons I got into the AAF because your videos, he was one of the first people I saw AAF videos about on YouTube. Plus one to you, bro. They're awesome. And I'm shouting you out again. It's Brandon Perna, P-E-R-N-A on Twitter. And then, of course, on YouTube, it's That's Good Sports. What a name, right? It's good sports. It's good sports. That's awesome. me. Awesome. I'm going to shout out uh, someone a little bit different, uh, a little more mainstream, uh, and that is Jason Whitlock, um, co-host of Speak for Yourself on FS1. Uh, he just brings a certain perspective that is very much anti what everybody else is saying. Uh, he speaks uh, the truth, sometimes in love, but not always, and he has no problem being very eloquent and poking holes in all the arguments that his guests and co-hosts have. And so uh, he'll probably never hear this, but Jason, if you ever do, much respect, buddy. I appreciate the work you do. Uh, he's at at Whitlock Jason, W-H-I-T-L-O-C-K-J-A-S-O-N, at Whitlock Jason. Uh, do your thing, buddy. Appreciate you. Keep up the great work. Oh, we'd love awesome. to get him on the show. I love Jason Whitlock. Seriously, he's one he's of my favorites. Guess? Yeah, one day, one day, one day I, want, I think we should have guests, I think, right? I mean, they bring guests on first take. I better reach out the better version of that. I was just thinking Christian Hackenberg. Oh, I want him on first for sure. Come on over. So, well, cool. Well, those are some people you guys can follow on Twitter. So let's get into uh, the debate portion of the show. We got some really good questions to go over. So I'm going to kind of mediate, be the be the host. I'm going to let you know Armando and Andy kind of get into these questions, and of course I'll give some comments since I have the far superior takes on everything. But uh, first, we're going to lead into the to uh, you know what happened this week. At the North Carolina Duke basketball game, tickets were going for $2,500 a pop. Barack Obama was there. Got one of the absolute craziest, you know, uh, things in sports is, you know, a, a North Carolina Duke basketball game. I, I would like to go to one one day, just experience it. Um, but during the game, of course, Duke has several high-profile players. Um, Cam Reddish, I think, is one of the players. And, of course, JT Barrett which they will probably both be top five NBA draft picks. But the number one prize pick everybody's been talking about for years, ever since he was a freshman in high school, uh, Zion Williamson. And uh, he, you know, 30 seconds into the game, blows his shoe. I believe it was a Nike shoe, right? Blew the shoe wide open and tore his ACL 30 seconds into the game. And so, I mean, I really don't want to debate the merits of – you know, the basketball game and what that means for these two individual teams, because I think this is a larger conversation. You know, what does this mean for college athletes? Basically, the NBA has set rules that a player has to go, you know, cannot go straight from high school. So players have the option to either go play in the European League, but of course, most choose the one and done status. What if this injury, because he's forced to play there, that ACL, he's never able to come back and be the same player. He'll never get the value that he's worth. So here we go. The age-old debate boils down to this. Should he have been rewarded for the risk that he was taking by playing there? Should we get to a system where we pay college athletes? Armando, I'm going to go first. Oh, Andy's oh, going to go first. Okay, sorry. Andy, you, you jumped in first. I'm, I'll go ahead and throw it to you. Let's hear it. I'm going to say absolutely not. Absolutely no college athlete should be paid. Um, why? Because I was an athlete, and I know the risk – 
of getting injured. And yes, yes, it is a shame this guy tore his ACL. But what about all the other people that tore their ACLs? You know, it's not just one person. And I know it might be a major problem. It might seem like an injury problem. But there's kind of like you're going to college to better yourself in a career. Your career in football is the NFL. I don't get paid to go to college and be on the debate team in college. No one pays the debate team players. What about all the other uh, non-sports related activities? Are you going to pay all of those people? Are you no, they pay? don't generate revenue. Oh, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Not, even, not even close. Not okay, even but close. What, uh, what about other, what about the financial, how do they have, I guess they might have the money. But why now are we going to just change everything? And also medical advancement, that 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 gentleman, he can still come back from that, I right? Think so. I think he will. He but... can still come. But why? Because of the advancement in, med in medical. Maybe like 20 years ago, he'd be screwed. I, I just don't know why we would just start paying players. It's not no. fair. First of all, people have uh, – universities and colleges have been paying players for a while now. Illegally. They illegally, weren't supposed to. Illegally, you're not supposed to, at least hopefully until the rules change. But, yes, they have been paying players because for the vast majority of these massive money-generating sports, i.e. college football and college basketball, you can talk all you want about field hockey and debate team. They don't generate revenue. OK, so let's not even begin to pretend to start to commence to even talk about the merits of those other programs when it comes to revenue generation, because it doesn't exist. But the okay. other ones do like basketball yeah. generates As I money. Just said, college football, college basketball. It's the only two we're talking about. Every that's it. There's no other sports that generate revenue those at all. Not by a long shot. And it's not even close. Well, so, it, 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 it depends on the school there. There are some schools, like if you look at, you know, UConn, their women's program, I'm sure, you know. Okay, money, that's a one-off because Gino Ariema and. That's what I'm saying. They, they, there, there are a few exceptions to the rules. Schools that sure. are very niched, you know, like uh, Duke's uh, lacrosse team. There's lacrosse is yeah. big. So, some. But, yes. but, but, but the for the schools. most part. Okay. Yeah, right. capture, yeah. I get it. I capture get it. the minds and hearts the way college football and college basketball does. You talk about all the other players. What if they broke their, uh, ripped their ACLs and blew out their knees? The college. Or where was the game at? Duke or North Carolina? I believe it was a Duke, I believe. So Cameron Indoor, fine. Yeah. Those tickets would not have been $2,500 a pop if Zion wasn't playing. If JT Barrett was not playing. But specifically Zion. He is the bee's knees. He is the creme de la creme of the college basketball landscape. He's going to be the number one pick or maybe number two. Some pundits say number two. But he is at the top of no way, no way you would be number two before this injury. Fine, probably not. That even makes my point that much sweeter. Thank you, Ben. Yeah. Because, Andy, at the end of the day, these yeah. tickets don't go for that much money. These programs don't get the kind of boosters and the multi-million dollar uh, investments and boosters and loans that never have to be paid back. Krzyzewski's making how much? Eight, seven, 10, 11, 12 million dollars a year. And he gets what? A little bit of, a little bit of uh, swipey money uh, on his swipe card to eat at Duke's cafeterias. He's <laughs> six foot nine, 270 pounds. They can bench press a Buick. There's no reason he should be in college for any other reason just to check off a stupid box, to go play with the big boys, to play with grown men of which he's already filled out to be. Yeah, it is. Oh, absolutely. It, 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 to me, it, it is kind of silly that they force him to do this. I, I hate – it's bad because kind of the one-and-done rule, like there's pros and cons to it. You know, uh, I think the NBA has hit, was getting worse before that rule was instituted because you had so many high school players that were making the jump – 
that weren't ready. And there's something about that college experience, I think, readies players for the NBA. I think you have very few players that are actually NBA ready. Um, LeBron, Kevin Garnett, Kobe, Tracy McGrady. Tracy McGrady. You know, but then you, for all those guys, you can name plenty that weren't. You know, Sebastian Telfair, Kwame Brown. And those guys never developed. They probably would have had a good chance to, to develop. But, uh, you know, we, we got to move on from this topic. But I want to I bring up one last thing and just get your thoughts on it, which is the way I think that players should be paid in college. I think players should be paid in college from their jersey sales. I think that's the only fair way to do it because you're taking the players that are actually making the money, that are actually putting the, you know, butts in the seats you know, your, you know, Zion Williamson's, your JT Barrett's in college football, you know, your uh, Tua Tagalovoa or whatever you say his name, uh, you know, Jake Fromm from Georgia, you know, Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. That's a way that we're rewarding the players that actually deserve it because the, the, the where it gets really tricky is because you can't pay the backup anchor for the team relay at the swim meet you can't pay them. They're producing absolutely nothing. They're actually taking from the system. They're, they're taking money from the other sports to fund their sport. Volleyball is the same way. So what do you guys think about that idea of, of allowing players to, number one, get the money from their own jersey sales or a portion, and number two, you know, uh, maybe be able to sign autographs? And, and get you know money. what? So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and jump in, Andy, because you got yeah. in first. I'm going to get in first this time, buddy. Sure. So at the end of the day, I like what you're saying, but it's not enough. Okay, so so where does so we're just gonna stop it at jersey sales? What about video game sales? Because you know darn well to use the likeness of the Duke Blue Devil and Cameron Indoor to play on the PlayStation Four using the the the, the sports two K or two. I mean, I'm I want to cut you off. They still don't use their. I don't think they use their names in NCAA. They use the numbers though, don't they? The numbers, not the names. They can't. They don't technically. And the they make the don't likeness. Look the same, do they? What's that? They make the likeness, and you can have a likeness. six foot nine I, massive character. We know it's Zion. Yeah. Let's okay. stop. You know, you know, let's not pretend. We know it's Zion. We know he's gigantic, and we Fair know enough. what his number is on the back. They're using his likeness without saying his name. So you know what? Yeah, sure. jersey sales. Yeah, a, a cut of the um, a cut of the the revenue from video games uh, sales. Absolutely. Why not? And you know what? You know what the other thing is? If they actually paid some of these top tier college athletes they might be inclined to stay in college and actually earn an education because, you know, they're getting compensated now instead of, you know what, I can't make scraps until I actually hit the pros. So is that fair to a player that maybe he isn't going to the pros, but he's playing all four years of college football? And no, he's a, he's no. A, and life's not fair. Go to the G League. Life's so not fair. Do you be think better. that, let me ask you this, the camaraderie of a team in college where two of the players – they, everyone thinks they're going to be drafted, so we're going to pay them and give them cars, and everyone else is going to get nothing. There's is many it, different ways you can pay them, whether it's cars, whether it's tuition stipend, whether it's, it's, it's a preloaded debit card. But you know what? You could also incentivize it and set it up so that those players that get a massive amount, they can distribute it to their teammates. There's a whole host of ways to do it, but just to take it off the top and say, you know what? Payment in any form or faction is not even possible. It's complete hogwash. They're the reasons butts are in the seats. They're the reason the tickets went for $2,500 a ticket. And they're the reasons why Duke and North Carolina and all these other top tier programs uh, are able to charge tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars every year in tuition. I'm sorry. I don't buy it. You want to pay the players, pay all the players fine because then it'll be it'll that be is the progressive. only way 
I personally would think it makes sense because how dare you make all these players have a chance to ruin their career? Maybe he's not going to be a football player, but maybe he needs his legs to work, but he has a bad season ending broken leg and is left with nothing. And he's not going to the NFL for the players that actually have a shot. That's their shot. How do you measure that? What about the guy that's starting every game? And he's not, maybe he doesn't have the caliber. The scouts think, oh, maybe he's a practice squad player, but maybe he's never going to be drafted. But he's starting in college football. People wear his number. or have They to go to the AAF and make some money. But I'm telling you, that's what, where my point stands that if I don't agree with the paying the players, but if you are, everyone that plays has to be paid some kind of stipend. Now, the bigger players might get more. The pay They ought to. This isn't socialism. Uh, this ain't communism. Everyone gets the same. It's a not everyone gets the same. Everyone should be paid because you're going to have players complaining that big guy, he's making all this money and getting cars, and I'm busting and my the ass. Big guy is the reason why everyone's but doing up he the should same. get a stipend. If you're going to pay college people, college players, the players that are playing should still get a stipend of some sort. Right? Sure. Well, give, I, him let, let, give him a little something. Let me rein this. Let me rein this back in. Let me let, rein it in. Let me rein this back in. <laughs> this is getting out of control. We're gonna have a fist fight on our first show. Um, no, it's <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. But in in all seriousness, I, I we we are gonna have to move on to the next topic. But I will uh, I'll make the final point here. I don't have um, water anymore. I'm out of water. The, this this problem, in my opinion, is never going to be solved inside of the NCAA. They're never going to change it. They're never going to pay players. The only solution to this problem is going to be when we have an external option for these players to go to, whether it's kind of like, not the AF, but a league for college-age players that's professional football. So I, I think once we can move to have some kind of challenge, I know uh, what the crazy guy, LeVar Ball, I think he wanted to do something like that for college basketball players. Um, and I know we, you know, he gets a lot of flack and he's crazy. He's successful at selling his brand, but, um, you know, I, I think we're going to have to have something like that, uh, as an option for these players to get, to get paid. Cause they're the NCAA, the NCAA is never going to do it because we can debate and go round for round for round with this, but there's no easy solution. It's a sticky, sticky situation all the way around. So actually I got a really easy solution. Give me 30 seconds. Make the rule so that if you jump to the NBA and you don't make it, you can go back to college. Done. Well, they, they have recently changed the rule about the agent, I believe. So, or they're in the in talks of doing that, which I think will be huge. So, all right, let's let's move on to talk about the NFL for just a, a couple minutes. Um, this week, Robert Kraft was arrested for being a client of a prostitution ring, aka human trafficking. Uh, that was going on involving a massage parlor. And we're all adults here. We, we know what he was doing in the massage parlor. But he was arrested. Bad situation, bad look. A lot of funny memes did come out of it, though. I won't go over any of those. Sure. I'll let you find them on your own. But the question here is, this is probably the second most prolific owner in the NFL, right under Jerry Jones. Uh, obviously, he might be above Jerry Jones now, no, really. Not, not in popularity. I would say not Jerry, in popularity. In, in, in success. Yeah, yeah. In success in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so what should the NFL do about this situation? Because, I mean, we do remember they did punish um, the owner of the Colts, Jim Ursay, for, you know, some, some situations he was in. But now we're talking about one of, you know, the highest profile guys in the entire sport. So what do you guys think? Uh, Andy, let, let's let you go first. 
So let's talk about what happened. So it, Robert Kraft turns out, yes, very scummy thing he did. He went into a, a massage Absolutely. parlor, did God knows what, but that massage parlor was a part of a sex reign in Florida. So not only did he just get caught doing that, it's a part of some like terrible investigation in Florida with the, these crazy sex reigns and massage parlors with women working against their will at these places. Um, yep. But anyway, how, if I was Roger Goodell, how would I deal with this? And this is how I would do it. Uh, just off the top of my head, I would say you, sir, one year suspension automatically. You cannot be at the stadium. You cannot, mm. you cannot be at games. I mean, you could watch them at home, I'm sure but you have to be away from the stadium. That's it. His sons can run. The, the family doesn't lose the team. They, they can't lose the team, but the sons could take over. But the, I would say a year suspension with, with having to do an investigation to see what they do after that. You're dealing with an owner of a team that's won six Super Bowls and you got to figure out, you can't just say Robert Kraft no longer owns the Patriots, but you could yeah. say Robert Kraft you are now suspended from the NFL. You can no longer interact with your team. You can no longer talk to people involved in your team for at least a year before we figure out how to, how do we deal with this? And he has kids that can run the organization. They didn't go into the parlor and get a hand job. This, this is his, you know? this is his second offense getting in trouble. Uh, you know, in recent years, he was also in trouble for deflating his balls. Um, I'm not defending him. He's a scumbag. But how do you deal with an owner? You can't listen, I, I heard, listen, listen, listen. Go ahead. Do the owners work for the commissioner or do the, or does the commissioner work for the owners? Okay. And that's it's a little bit of both. Really. No, it's really not. The commissioner works for the owners. That's why he hasn't been replaced because he's made them a boatload of money. Well, that's true. Kraft too. owns the Patriots, period, point blank, and his family, however that setup is set up. At the end of the day, he can do whatever he wants as it pertains to his ownership of the Patriots. Now, did he get in trouble with the law? Yes. Let the legal system, and we're not going to get into the merits of whether the legal system is fraudulently corrupt, whatever the case may be. The legal system, let it do its job. If he gets arrested, gets prosecuted, does jail time, parole, bail, whatever, let that happen. At the end of the day, he and his family still own the Patriots. Okay? Sure. He's going to have the stain and the public relations nightmare and all that stuff anyway, because 2019 and social media runs rampant like a plague. Roger Goodell has no place to tell him, you know what? You can't be at the stadium. You can't, you own the team, Robert Kraft. Who the hell are you? Ro uh, 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 yeah. Ro uh, Robert Kraft, not Roger uh, Goodell. He has no say. He, they pay his salary. Well, yeah, but disagree but, on that one. Yeah. Man. yeah I, I understand your point. I understand exactly what you're saying, but however, like all the commissioners work together or all of the owners work together and I mean, kind of from the owner perspective, they don't want to see this kind of thing. They definitely watch out for their own, but they want to protect the fraternity of owners. And this sure. does make them look bad. So even though Roger Goodell is a commissioner, works for the, the NFL owners individually, he still represents all the parties there. And I think there's going to have to be some kind of punishment here. Now, if Wait, they did Robert. something really fast, if, yep. if all the owners came together and said, you know what, Robert Kraft, this is what you need to do because the fraternity of owners says this is what you need to do, I'm behind it all the way. But when you have the commissioner who's who works for us, all 31 teams, all 31 owners, 32 owners, when he says it, no, I'm not hearing it. But if my brother, quote unquote, because it's the fraternity of owners, if, if all the other owners say, you know what, you need to bounce for a year, fine. 
I, I want to ask you a question. When you say you have enough money to buy a McDonald's, what is it called when you buy a McDonald's? A franchise. Right. What is a football team called? Technically, a franchise. Expansion franchise. That means... That's the same thing. Well, I think this is what I think it means is that, listen, the NFL exists as a company and they're franchising a chance to own a team within the league, the Shield. They have to abide by rules. And I'm not saying Roger Goodell shouldn't fire him. But listen, the the owners don't work. Uh, Roger Goodell is the commissioner. His job, the reason the commission. the owner's money. Do you know how the commission was created? Do you know how? It goes back to the White Sox that cheated in 1908. They didn't have commissioners in leagues. They realized these guys were gambling. There's got to be one guy that kind of oversees the league, controls the league. The owners do not own Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell has more power than them in the league sense as, as the, the shield. I mean, if, we, if, we, we've seen it already. We've already we've seen, seen it many we've times. We've already seen Jim Mersey punished. You know, we've seen other punishments. Protect and we've also the seen shield. It, we, we Protect also, the shield. Brady can deflate balls, and it can be an ongoing multi-offseason year but, debacle, but someone can cold cock his significant other and get a couple of game suspensions. I think there's a big difference between taking air out of the balls and, you know, the other thing. So I, I think there that's just a, you know, yeah, that was cheating in the NFL. Wait, which one, were you, which one were you talking about? Never mind. Never mind. But when we're talking about the shield and the integrity, the NFL's already been so flagrantly inconsistent that the, you can't make that argument. You can't. Why can't I make the argument? Why? Not you. Specifically. Oh, I mean, you okay. can. You're still wrong. <laughs> the NFL wants to promote oh. itself as being some moral arbiter of <laughs> right and wrong. No, go fund yourself because you're absolutely wrong when you've been so incredibly inconsistent with what you deem as morally right and wrong with how you dole and give out punishment. No, well, we, we, we've seen we've seen um, I'm not going to compare this. I'm not going to say it's a similar situation, but we have seen in the NBA where uh, Donald Sterling, the owner of the Clippers, uh, was on record or recorded making racist remarks. And even though he was the owner of his own team, the league basically forced him out. So, you know, they, they do have things that they can do on behalf of the league. Um, you know, so I don't know. It's, I, it's a sticky situation. What I was trying to say is that Roger Goodell, just to, for integrity, you tell you don't say to the Kraft family, you lose your franchise. You say your well, family. You can't. They own it. You can't. Right. But you're saying, listen, you have sons that could take over and run it while you're suspended because you are a sick motherfucker until we figure out legally what's going on with you. Damn stay away God. from the stadium. You know, stay away. Listen, do you think the Patriots? I saw some disgusting things that the Patriot fans were doing, by the way, too. Some like 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 kind of like saying like jokes why, you know, he got arrested. Like, I, I just want to say because I'm a Jets fan. I've never met worse fans and they don't deserve to have this now as a stigma for them because they are a six time champion team. So now I kind of feel bad for the Patriot fans because their fucking owners are scumbag big time. I don't and feel now, bad for them at all. They've been no, learning over listen, their six championships for years. That doesn't matter because that's about like championships. This is about like someone like, doing something disgusting. Like that's that that's like a real thing. Like I hate the I, I don't hate the Bulls, but they were fucking all over the Knicks for all the years that Jordan was there doesn't mean that like I hate yeah you know, because, right and the Bulls owner wasn't around doing things he shouldn't have been doing cheating on his wife there's in, lots in, of problems parlors. there's tons of problems in the league but this guy just got caught and now 
Who knows what's going to happen? Roger Goodell has to do something, right? He can't just sit on his ass and say, the owner should do something. Well, he should step down, I think. I think he should. I think Robert Kraft as a PR. No, absolutely not. No, no, not step down. I'm sorry. I mean, like, suspend himself. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I think that'd be like, you know, for half the season or something. Sorry. Not like give up the team. If I was an owner of a football team, it'd be so hard to fucking pull that yeah. from me. You know? And I guess Bezos would sell Amazon, right? <laughs> no, he would never sell Amazon. Exactly. Sorry, I just spit. Yeah, that's okay. I forgive you. Uh, yeah. You so, so guys, I think we've we've ran up about an hour right here. I Whoa. believe. I think we're already pushing up against time here. Hey, um, man, there's a lot to debate when you get into sports. Yeah, we. I mean, we didn't even touch a lot of the a <laughs> lot of things I of our list. Yeah, well, I want to I want to uh, bring up an interesting trivia fact with you. We'd end the show each week with a trivia fact. I thought that this fact was absolutely fascinating. Um, it's pretty simple. Here's the here's the question. We all know, right? There has never been an NFL team that has won a Super Bowl in their own stadium, right? We all know that stat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. There was one team that won the Super Bowl within their metro area of their city? Oh, shit. Name it. That's a good question. Oh, yeah. So Okay, so they didn't win in their stadium, but the same metropolitan area. Definitely the same area. Whoa. 49ers, because, like, Oakland and all that jazz. I'm going to say 49ers. Who are you going to say, Andy? (laughs) I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Uh, I'm going to say the Dolphins. Interesting you guys say that. Very interesting because it was the San Francisco 49ers versus the Miami Dolphins. (laughs) How about that? In Super Bowl 19 that was played in Stanford Stadium uh, in Stanford, California, which is very close to San Francisco. So Yeah, because you were good to pick that. I picked Florida because I know that they do Super Bowls all over Florida, right? Yeah, that's that's yeah. was my pick. But, hey, we picked the teams. That's, that's great. crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, that's good cool. Good for you, Armando. You got it, though. You won. <laughs> well, they won a lot of Super Bowls. So, But, all right, guys. Well, that's it for the Immaculate Perceptions for the day. I'm going to really struggle not calling it the Immaculate Reception or the Immaculate Conception. But it is the Immaculate Perceptions is the name that's of our right. podcast here. So, uh you, you can find us at our Twitter handles. I'm at bitboy underscore hodl. Andy is at producer btw, aka producer, by the way. And Armando is at Armando B. We're signing off. We'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Blessings.